You know, every day, every day it seems as though there are more and more scams that we hear about or learn of that basically involve someone trying to separate someone else from their money. For some, it's that phone call from the supposed tax agent saying you are behind on your taxes and if you don't make a payment today, you will be going to jail for tax evasion. For others, it's that email. I'm sure many of us got it in years gone by. That an email that was apparently from a prince or princess from another country. And if you would merely send him or her your, all your bank information, they would gladly deposit thousands of dollars in your bank account for you. Right. Every day, people are scammed out of their money. Every day we hear about different things that people will do to separate someone from their money. Now, as we've been going through this sermon series, what we've been talking about are different lies that Satan tells us. And as I conclude this sermon series, I wanted to take a moment to look at another lie that Satan tells. And this one involves money. But Satan isn't really trying to separate us from our money. He's really trying to use our money to separate us from Jesus. And so let's, let's listen to this lie. It's your money. You should do with it whatever you want. Man, that sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, surely nothing could be more true than that statement. It is yours, therefore you should do with it as you see fit. Because last time I checked, nobody works my job for me. You work your job, you put in a lot of hours working your job to get a paycheck with your name on it, and then you deposit that money into a bank account that also has whose name on it? Your name on it. And so if that money's not yours, then pray tell, whose is it? I think as always, God can really enlighten us with Scripture. And what we see throughout Scripture very consistently is that everything we have our money, our stuff, even our life. It's all on loan to us from God. That He is the, not only the Creator, but He is the, the owner and operator of all. And He's just entrusted us these things to use in a way that, that glorify Him. Let's go back and look at a few passages as we begin. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, and verse 14, there it says, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth, with all that is in it. Or Job 41 and verse 11, Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Psalm 50 beginning there in verse 10, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there beginning of verse 19, or do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. If you were, you're not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Again, all that we have, all that we are, has been loaned to us from God. And it's up to us to decide what we will do with that which God has so lovingly entrusted to us. 
whether it's in our bank account or even the very next breath that we draw, all that we have is from God. Now Moses knew, he knew how tempting that it would be for the Israelites as they went into the promised land to get rather, shall we say, full of themselves. He knew that the temptation for them in the promised land would be they're going to go there and they're going to think that all of this goodness that they're enjoying is from their labor. They're they're going to think that everything they have is as a result of their own hard work. They're going to begin to think that they're entitled to it because it's theirs. And so long before anybody's foot ever stepped over into that promised land to enjoy those blessings from God, Moses laid out this warning for them in Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning of verse 11. He said, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes which I commanded you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied, all you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Verse 18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is this day. Everything we have, even the ability to make the living that we make, is a blessing from God. And even as we have the ability to make the living that we make, we should be reminded of how good God is and how much He has blessed us. But I I know, church, I know how easy it is to get caught up in that old nasty comparison game. You know the comparison game, don't you? Where you start looking around and you assume that everyone around you, they have it better than you have. And you get trapped in that that state of comparison. And so you begin to think that other people, well, you know what, they're they're better looking than you are. And you know what, the house that those people, man, they live in such a nicer house than you live in. And the car they drive, man, the car they drive is so much cooler than the one you drive. And their marriage, oh man, their marriage, they seem so actually happy with their spouse. And even their kids, man, their kids seem to be smarter and more talented than yours. (laughs) And you get trapped in that cycle of comparison with those you think have it better than you. And Satan's glad when we do. (laughs) Because you know when we're trapped in that cycle of comparison... We find it very hard to know and enjoy the blessing of contentment in this life because we're always comparing ourselves to someone else instead of just being thankful, truly thankful for all that God has given us. Church, we have so much to be thankful for. So, what is it then that God would want us to do with our stuff, with our money? All right, now you'll hold on to this, okay? Because this is the answer for this morning. I want you to remember. When it comes to that which God has blessed you with, according to the Bible, He wants you to enjoy it. He does. Let's go over to Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, beginning of verse 17, As for the rich in this present age, 
charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. As a matter of fact, that which we have, God has given it to us. He's blessed us with it. And for what purpose? For us to richly enjoy. That's what the Bible says. But there is a warning here also, right? There's a warning that comes with having wealth. A warning that comes with having money. And that warning is this. Listen, be very, very careful because Satan, sometimes Satan, can, he can get in your head and he can, he can tempt you. He wants to fool you into thinking that you're a better person than other people because of the money in your bank account. That your life is more secure than others. Listen, if you've been walking around like a peacock with your chest puffed out because you have such a large bank account, I would encourage you to stop today. Because you are no more important than someone who is absolutely flat broke without two pennies to rub together. And when it comes to the security (laughs) that we think we have in our wealth, anybody else check their 401k recently? I try not to look right now because it just is a reminder, a constant reminder of how fleeting and how quickly it's gone. Yeah? So we can't put our security, we can't root down in something like money because we can't take it with us. It will not purchase us eternal life. It's not even what's going to get us through this life. There's nothing wrong with money. God says we're to enjoy it. Cool. So then that leads me to my next question. Well, if we're going to get to enjoy it, then how much money do I need to enjoy it, right? How much money do I need to be able to enjoy life? The obvious answer, more. Right? I mean, that, that, that has got to be the obvious answer to the question that if I really want to enjoy life with, with the money God has given me, how much do I need? I just need more. Uh, especially as things are skyrocketing in price all around us right now. We go, man, I need more. Anybody else suddenly discovered that making the same Walmart run you made a couple years ago now costs you twice as much for half as much stuff? <laughs> And so we find ourselves saying, I need more. But is that what we really need? Is that what God wants for us? Satan wants to fool us, and he does a really good job of it some days. See, he wants us to think we have got to have more. What he does, and he does it very effectively, is through commercials and different marketing campaigns, different advertisers, advertising things that we see on television that are, that are constantly bombarding us with this idea, you don't have enough. That if you really want to be secure in life, and if you really want to make it through retirement, and if you really want to have X, Y, and Z, you have got to have more. And we hear those messages, and after a while we start to listen to them. And after a while we go... You know what? They may be right. 
I may not, I may need more. What, what do I need to do to make sure that I have enough to make sure that I'm always taken care of and I'm starting to feel like I don't have enough? What do I need to do to have more? One of two things will happen to us. One, we will suddenly find ourselves clinging to money like we have never clung to it before. I'm talking like a bulldog and it's bone, right? Like we are not going to let go of it. We used to be very generous. We used to be very kind. We used to be very giving. But not now. Now we're going to hold on to it as grasp as we can for fear of losing it. We'll do that or we'll begin to think that our ultimate goal in this life is to make money. And we'll begin to live as though it is. Making money is a good thing. When making money becomes the ultimate goal in life, that's a bad thing. There have been a lot of people who have been and continue to be and will be as long as the earth remains will be fooled by this temptation of Satan. Let's go back to our text in 1 Timothy chapter 6, speaking up in verse 9. He says, But those who desire to be rich fall into, into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Did you, did you hear what the end result is? Ruin, destruction, wandered from the faith. Why? Because somewhere along the way, they listened to Satan and they began to think that the pursuit of money was like the ultimate goal in this life. I don't think anybody ever wakes up one day and says, you know what I want to do today? I want to ruin my life. That's what I want to do today. You know what I want to do today? I want to walk away from the faith today. That's what I'm going to do today. It doesn't happen that quickly. It happens over the course of days, weeks, months, years. It's a slow process as Satan slowly leads us away from that which we know is right over this love of the pursuit of money. This thing that we oftentimes put so much of our certainty in in this life. So how much do we really need? Listen, if we have Jesus, if we have Jesus, we have everything we need and more. C.S. Lewis once wrote, he who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. In other words, people who are living their life for God, with God, and they may be multimillionaires. Cool. You have other people who are living for God, they have faith in God, and they're broke. Cool. They have just as much as he who's rich in this world because there's God. When we have God in our life, when we're really focusing on Jesus, when we're really focusing on those, those promises of God that we hold so near and dear, people who do that, there's peace. There's contentment. There's joy. There's things that no amount of money in this life can certainly purchase for anyone. But they're there. They're there for the child of God to enjoy. Go back to our text. Verse 6 and 7 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. Parents, grandparents, this is such an important lesson for us to be teaching our kids. 
There's a lot of things in this life that we think are important, and they're really not. We can give our kids everything, materially speaking, and then end up spiritually broke. And what have we really done for them? The reason I think it's so important to be giving our our children a relationship with Christ is because if you will look and just do a little bit of research, what you will find are right now the, the young adult, the generation, the most recent generation that's come along, they're pretty miserable in life. They've had all kinds of stuff compared to their grandparents or great-grandparents, right? But they don't have a lot of joy. And why is that? It's because somewhere along the way, we got the priorities mixed up. Somewhere along the way, we felt like it was, it was more important to make sure that we gave our kids everything right now that this, this old earth of ours has to give them so that they'll be happy <laughs> Well, we didn't really tell them where real joy comes from. Maybe it's the new iPad. Maybe it's the new phone. Maybe it's an Oculus. I, I don't know what your kid wants right now. I know what my kid wants. <laughs> As the day was like, oh, I'm listening now. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with giving our kids those things. Within reason. And making sure that even more important than those material things we give our children that they know where real joy comes from. That they know where salvation comes from. That they understand grace. They understand mercy. That they understand the joy of the Lord. That they understand that the things of this life, they're passing. That which is eternal, that's what's most important to us. You can't take the things of this life with you doesn't make a lot of sense to me and never really has to put so much emphasis on the physical things of this life that one day it's just going to be kindling for one great big bonfire. That's all it is. All of our collections, (laughs) all the things that we think that uh, we're going to pass on to our kids or grandkids or great-grandkids that they're going to care about and One day, it won't matter, will it? And you know that, and so do I. So then why are we so tethered to this world? Why are we so tethered to the joy, to the happiness? It's not joy. To the happiness of this life. Rather than embracing the joy of that which is eternal. So we don't need more to enjoy life. We can definitely use that which God gives us for our enjoyment. The lie of Satan, though, the lie of Satan is for you to really enjoy the things that God has given you, you got to use those things on yourself. That's the lie of Satan. And how do I know that's a lie? Because it's completely contradictory to that which Jesus taught. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it says, In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Do we believe those words? Sure, it's in red. (laughs) We better believe it, right? Those are the words of Jesus. 
but do we live it? Do we really live a life that reflects the teaching of Jesus that it's more blessed to do what? Oh, yeah, it makes me happier to get than to give. No, no, no. (laughs) That's not what he said. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, if you're curious, if if most people uh, live this way, you can figure out pretty quickly they don't. All you have to do is look at the, the percentages that people give to charities annually, and you can get a really good idea that people probably really don't believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. All you have to do is look at what people give, even back to the Lord as Christians, and you can get a pretty good idea pretty fast that people don't really believe, even Christians don't really believe, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. According to Christianity Today, August of 2020, American Christians give on average 2.5% of their net income back to God and the church. Now let that sink in just a second. 2.5, not 25%. Don't misplace that decimal, okay? On average, Christians give in America 2.5% of their income back to the Lord, back to the church. I'll share with you something else I ran across recently. During the Great Depression, it's estimated that Christians' giving back to the church went down to 3.3% as a result of the Great Depression. You can do math just like I can do math. And if those two things are accurate, then what does that say? That says that now, in the time we're living, with the abundance we have, on average, we're giving a percent less than those who are living in a time where they couldn't find food to survive and were oftentimes losing the roofs over their head. Just something to think about as we all do a little bit of personal reflection about what we as individuals give back to God. Our tendency is to keep instead of give. That's a problem. It's a problem because, number one, we miss out on the joy that comes with giving. And there is a joy. There is a great joy that comes when one gives of themselves. But we're also missing out on giving other people joy as a result of our giving. And there are a lot of people in this world who need joy. Did you know that there are approximately 800 million people in the world who will not get enough food today? Did you know that? Did you know that this year, over 3 million children around the world will die as a result of hunger and starvation? Did you know... It's estimated that there are about 1 billion, that's billion with a B, about 1 billion people still on planet Earth who have never heard of Jesus Christ. And because of where they live, they probably never will before they die. You see, those are just a few of the the major problems that face our globe, that face our world. 
and we can really make a difference. We can really be a, a part in, in bringing joy to others if we'll just be more giving. Have that heart of generosity that, that God has called us to have. So our giving, our giving gives us joy. Our giving gives other people joy. <laughs> but then our giving also makes deposits in our eternal bank account. Which, of course, is so much more important than even our physical one. Matthew 6 says there, beginning of verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, church, this, this is supposed to be our focus. That which is eternal. When our focus becomes too physical, becomes about the here and now, that's when we really get wrapped up in money, isn't it? Because we're always thinking about ourselves <laughs> and, and what we're going to do with our money or how we're going to use our money or how long we need our money or who's going to take care of us with our money. I mean, you know, we're always thinking in those kind of terms. And there's definitely wisdom in thinking along some of those terms to a point. But then there's also another point where we finally grow to begin to see that everything we have is from above. That all good things are from God. That everything I have is, is something He has blessed me with. Whether it's the money in the bank or the breath I'm drawing right now, the life I'm living, <laughs> am I using it to glorify Him? And if I'm not, why not? Well, well, what's keeping me from that? What's holding me back? Church, I, I pray that pray that we will be generous. This, this congregation has always been one, man. It's been so generous and has always risen to the occasion to meet different needs. It's always a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. But in Christianity, maybe even for you, maybe for me, maybe as individual members of this congregation, maybe giving back to God hasn't always been priority. Maybe we go, man, I'd be doing good to give 2.5% back to God. If I do the math, I, I may not even be there yet. I pray that we're generous people because we understand how generous God has been with us. I pray that we're giving people because we understand how much has been given to us. Money. Money's a funny thing. Even in the realm of our spiritual life, we, we can talk about any subject. Nothing's off limits when it comes to our spiritual life. Except money. <laughs> money is where many of us draw a line and say, oh, no, no, no. Now you went from preaching to meddling. Maybe. Maybe. But if there's conviction today, Embrace it. Be thankful for it. Make changes if changes are needed. Live for a God who died for us. Live for a God in this life with the expectation of life everlasting 
understanding that life everlasting is going to be so much greater, so much better than any experience that this world holds. This morning, we can help you with anything. Why don't you come as we stand and sing?